I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about God's love. You can't talk too much about God's love. I don't think I ever really have understood all of God's love until finally this week I've kind of nailed it down pretty good for me. God's love is beyond my imagination, beyond my understanding. My vocabulary is not big enough and strong enough and good enough to express God's love to you the way God loves us. So I'll simply just try to uh, stick with what I have here, and, and you'll forgive me if I kind of hesitate every now and then and get back to my paper, because I want to do it to the best of my ability this morning. This morning, I'll just talk about his love. And I, I, I can't think of a better way to start than with a story that, that I read had to do with D.L. Moody, one of the famous preachers of our time, and I'll just read through it real quick for you. D.L. had been in, uh, uh, in Britain and had met a young English uh, preacher by the name of Henry Morehouse. Morehouse said to Moody, I'm thinking about going to America. Well, said Moody, if you'd ever come to Chicago, come down to my church and I'll give you a chance to preach. He was just being polite, though, by the way. He, he really had never heard him preach, and so he didn't really want him to come to his church to preach because he wanted to make sure that when people preached in his church, he knew they was going to, to do a good job at it. So he was really just trying to be polite. Sometime later, though, after Moody got home, he received a telegram. And the telegram read like this. Just arrived in New York. Will be in Chicago in time for church Sunday morning. Moody was all perplexed at, at hearing this news because uh, to make matters worse, uh, uh, he was just get, getting ready to go off on some uh, a week's meetings himself and he wasn't going to be there. So he worried about it. He prints back and forth about it. Finally, he talked to his wife and said, well, I think I need to let him preach because I've already told him I would and uh, yet said I'm, I'm not comfortable in preaching. So just let him preach one time. I've given my word and, and if people like him, let him preach again. And then he goes off on his meetings. Moody was gone for a week. And when he returned, he said to his wife, how'd the young preacher do? She said, oh, he's better than, preacher than you are. He's telling sinners that God loves them. Moody said, that's not right. God don't love sinners. Well, she said, you go and hear him. What, Moody said, you mean he's still here preaching? She said, yes, he's been here preaching all week and said he's only used one verse of text for his week's meeting, John 3, 16. Moody went to the meeting. Morehouse got up and he began by saying, I've been hunting for a text all weeks and said I have not been able to find a better text than John 3, 16. So I think we'll just talk about it one more time and said he did. Afterwards, Moody said, that was a night that he first clearly understood the greatness of God's love. I think sometimes uh, we overlook giant nuggets in God's word. I've quoted John 3, 16 lots of times. If you ask anybody in the church, what's their favorite scripture? Most times people are going to say John 3, 16. You ask anybody, uh, uh, does anybody know how, how to quote it? Everybody puts their hands up. Yes, because everybody knows about John 3, 16. But many times we just take it for granted. We go on past it to, to read the other stuff. But there's much, much said about God's love. But I don't think you can find anything that says it better than that. In John three sixteen, 
Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's only one sentence, and that one sentence only has 24 words, but yet there's so much piled into that one sentence. From this one verse, we can find several truths about God's love, and I want to try to share a little bit of some of those this morning with you, if you'll just bear with me. First of all, the love of God is unconditional. I didn't have anything to do with it. You didn't have anything to do with it. It was God so loved the world. And he wasn't talking about the world that he spoke into existence. No, he was talking about more than that. He was talking about you and me. The Greek word, by the way, for, for world is cosmos. That's the way I pronounce it anyway. K-O-S, M-O-S, cosmos. It's defined as the ungodly multitude. Or it could be people alienated from God or hostile to the cause of Christ. This is the world that God loved, a God that looked beyond all of our faults, a God that looked and saw people that needed help and we couldn't help ourselves and God loved us and not in a, not, he didn't ask us to go and, and, and change, get ready, straighten things up, but he said, come as you are. He loves us just like we are. Because of that, the reason for it, I see is because God's love doesn't tie in me loving him. It's strictly all about God loving me. When I begin to look a little further, I begin to realize that God uh, uh, doesn't say all the good guys. He doesn't say all the Jews. His word doesn't say God loved all the saints. It says, for God so loved the world, the ungodly. John 1 and 10 says he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world received, recognized him not. So God's love clearly doesn't have anything to do with our spiritual condition or our moral disposition. It isn't based on our behavior, and it's not based on our attitude. God's love for mankind is universal, and it's unconditional. That means that God loves everybody and he doesn't tie any conditions to it. He's a good God. He's a God of love. I was in a church one, uh, not in the church, but I had a friend that went to church one time. And he carried his friend with him. This friend he carried with him to church down in Texas happened to be uh, African descent. And he was Irish descent. Not black Irish, but white Irish. He was half white and half black, other words. And so this friend carried him to the church with him, meeting with him. And my friend, uh, he looked as white as I do. And he sat on a row, about three rows back in the church house. And Evangelist began to preach. And just a few moments, Evangelist said that uh, African people don't have a soul. Went on a bit farther. He said some other things. And finally, the man that brought my friend to church with him stood up and said, Preacher, I want to ask you a question. Where does it start that a man don't have a soul when he's one-fourth black or one-half black or three-fourths black, just where does it start? He said, my friend here by me is half black. So it, is he half saved when God forgives him or is he all the way saved when God forgives him? The preacher exited out the side door 
and didn't say anything and kept going. See, a lot of people got a lot of attitudes and a lot of people preach a lot about what they think, but we need to preach what the Word says. And the Word tells us that God loves us unconditional, and He loves all people. C.L. Lewis was asked one time, what's unique about Christianity? And Lewis said, it's grace. God loves come free of charge. No strings attached. It, no other religion claims that. Every other religion on the face of the earth wants something from you in order to be a part of their group. But with Christianity, it's free of charge. It didn't cost me anything. For God to love me. He just loved me because he's a loving God. The love of God is sacrificial. And here God shows us his love. Has nothing to do with what you or I. But it's all God. The Bible says in John 3, 16 that he gave. God gave. Brother Terry didn't give for me. Brother White didn't give for me. And I can't give for them. God gave on his own. His son, so as you and I could go free, God gave. That's true love. Without any conditions of loving him back, he gave. And I found out out that I don't need you to love me for me to love you. You don't need me to love you for you to love me. Because we make a conscious decision within ourselves that we're going to love someone or we're not going to love them. Brother Grandy, when I first met him, our regional overseer, he came to meet me one day, and, and it, uh, we'd had our meeting, he was getting ready to leave, and, and he walks out the door, we'd shaking hands, and, and him and Brother Mike were going out the door, and he got out on the step, and he stopped, and he turned, and he looked back, he said, Brother Ben, I love you, and he hesitated a moment, and he looked up, and says, nothing you can do about it, that blew me away for just a second. I never heard anybody do that for another Christian. Oh, I've said, I love you. I love you. God bless you. I love you. But I've never had anybody make it so personal before. And that's what it's all about, God's love. It's personal to, uh, to you from God and to me from God. He says, I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Praise the Lord. So when I begin to think about it, I thought, so what are the results of God's sacrificial love? How can I bring it down a little bit better for where I can really see and understand it? And this is what I came up with. For me, this is. It may not work for you, but for me, it worked like this. I imagine my name, Ben Fraser, and God adding up all of my indebtedness against him. And then in my mind's eye, I see God take his pen and transfer the sum total of all my indebtedness to him or to the name of Jesus Christ, to his account. Praise God. And on the account he wrote, transferred from the account of being phrased. Then he wrote these words to the account of being phrased. Paid in full. That's love. And that's the result of God's sacrificial love for you and I. That when we accept him as Lord, God transfers all the account that we have our sinful life and what we've inherited. He transfers it to the account of Jesus Christ and he writes on it, paid in full. We don't owe anymore. God forgets it and God re don't remember it anymore. It's though we never sinned. That's the result of his sacrificial love for you and I. He gave and we received. See, he loved us so much that he gave. Not me and him, but he gave. 
God's love or the love of God is also valuable, very valuable, according to John 3, 16. You see, because God's son, uh, he, he, he's very personal. He thinks very much of him. But for you and I, it's very valuable because of his love. We can have a relationship with God. When we accept Christ into our life, we can have a relationship with God. We can have an intimate relationship with him. Or we can have a casual relationship with him. He can become closer than a brother or a sister. Uh, we can lean on him, but we have to choose what we want to do. Some folks just want enough of God to make them miserable. The unsaved person is not the most miserable person in the world. It's somebody that claims Christ in their life, but they've failed to yield to God in their life. God wants you and I to make him first in our lives so we can have a relationship with him. We can walk with him and talk with him through the day. Adam and Eve talked with him in the cool of the evening, but, but when they sinned, they didn't talk with him anymore. And, and a lot of times, Christians, we want to we wanna just do it our way, and we sever the relationship that we could have with God if we would just turn loose and let God be God in our lives. It's important to turn loose because God loved us so much that he gave not only his son, but his only son. How I many knows that would be a lot harder to do than if you had two or three? I know I couldn't do it if I had a dozen. It take God's grace, but God was able to do that for you and me, for people that, that, that really didn't love God. He loved us enough to do that, give his only son. We don't have to be condemned because of that. We can go free. We can spend eternity in heaven. We don't have to go to hell. We all have to do is accept, all we have to do is accept his love. God's good. God cares. Without God's love, we have no hope. Fourthly, God's love is personal. It's very personal. First off, God gave his son. That was personal. But he gave it to me. That's personal to me. should be very personal with me and with you that, to know that God loved me so much that he gave his son to die on a cross on Calvary for me. God's love is not merely some abstract concept that somebody dreamed up. And it isn't just a theological fault. It's more than that. It's real. You see, God's love was made manifest in the world through his, the person of his son, and he did it for you and I. Christ Jesus came into the world to reveal to us the love of God in human form. He didn't come here to condemn. He came here through love. We, and the best way I can share this with you is a little short story that I found to go with it. A man named Joe was uh, uh, he got convinced of, that he had been doing wrong. So this man named Joe was converted at an outreach mission. Now people around him, they looked at him and saw him as the wino down the street. He had no hope, no chance, because he is never going to change. That's what they thought. But following his conversion to Christ, everything changed in his life. Paul said when a person is born again, they ought to be a new creature, or they are a new creature in Christ Jesus, meaning we ought to do things different than we used to do. Joe changed. He changed very much because Joe became the most caring person at the mission. Joe did it with a heart of gratitude, everything that he was asked to do. And then one evening, as the message was being brought forth by the minister at the mission, someone got up out of the pews and went down to an altar prayer, and when he went down the altar of prayer, he's crying, God, help me. God, help me. God, make me like Joe. God, make me like Joe. Oh, God, make me like Joe. 
And the minister came over to him, kneeled down by him, said, Son, wouldn't it be better if you said, God, make me like Jesus, make me like Jesus? And so the repentant drunk, uh, as he was kneeled there, he, he thought for a moment, and he raised up and looked at the minister. He said, Is he like Joe? Is he like Joe? And I think about that for just a moment. He knew Joe. He was a drunk. Joe had been a wine-over, a wine-over, a step deeper into being a drunk. They tell me that a drunk go to the point after a while to where that he gets so down until he just goes around. He has wine for breakfast, wine for lunch, and wine for supper, and wine in between time. About as low as you can get. People gave up on him. But every time I've seen winos and drunks and people like of this character that they generally homeless and they hang out together, some on street corners and some of them in alleys. I've seen them uh, look like they've been just, just ready to fall over. And I've seen them when they had barrels that fire was in and, and they'd stand around and they'd warm their hands together in there. He knew Joe. I believe in my heart that he had been hanging out with Joe. They might have even shared a dumpster like we have out here in a bad rainy day or a night, getting close to lead, sheltered from the rain. I believe they probably might have even shared a wine bottle together. I have no proof of that, but I know that he knew Joe because he, what lets me know that he saw something different in Joe. If he hadn't known Joe before Joe became a Christian, he wouldn't want to be like Joe. But he, Lord, make me like Joe. Make me like Joe. See, when God put us here and God saved us, he said, you're the light of the world. Joe became the light in this drunk's world. He began to see a change in him. He saw there was something different about him that uh, uh, wasn't like he used to be. And whatever it was, he wanted to be like Joe because Joe had got set free and this drunk wanted to be set free. Uh, the preacher preached about Jesus. Joe might have told him that Jesus changed my life, but he had not got acquainted with Jesus. You're the book that sometimes, the only book that people read about the Lord. And how they see us in our life is how they see the Lord. He saw Joe as having something different. And he wanted what Joe had. If Jesus was like Joe, he wanted Jesus. Wouldn't it be great? If all of our lives were like that to somebody around us, that if people saw us like they saw Joe, are you living a life in such a way that people want to be like you? God's love is accessible. It's accessible. John 3.16 tells us that whosoever will, anybody can come to the Lord. And he says, come as you are in the Scripture. You see, there's there places you can't get into because you don't meet the criteria that people set up around you. But God is accessible in his word. God's love is not limited to a select few. God has come down on our level. Not in the sense that he's lessened his holiness, but he's come down. He's, Lord, he's, he's not Lord his standards, but, but he's made his love accessible to you and I to average, ordinary people like you and I. Will you believe in his son? That's what you have to do. There's no other way to come to God except through his son. He is the ultimate expression of God's love, and he loves you, and he loves me. You see, it's whoever believes. 
in him, his son, the only son of God. God's love is accessible to you and I. God's love is, according to John 3, 16, is non-judgmental. Many times we judge people around us. We judge them for what we, they look like when we see them. We size them up and we create an image in our mind of first time we meet somebody many times of whether they're this or that or the other. But God doesn't look at that. God looks at a person no matter how far he's down the line. Like Job, everybody says that he'll never get away from it. There's no hope for Job. But God said, hey, uh, I see some hope in Job. And one day God saved Job and made Job a witness or something. See, God sees you and your potential, what he has in his mind for you to be and for me to be. And if we'll get out of God's way, we're the only hindrance to God making us what he wants to be, is when we get in his way, when we won't yield ourselves to him, we won't let him have his way in our life. And there's many Christians today that go to church every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, and they mean well, but they won't, they won't back up and give God their life. We need to say, Lord, here am I. If you can use nothing, use me. Use me. See, because Joe was nothing in some folks' eyes. But what did God do? God took Joe's life when he changed him and touched another life that was just like him. You see, we can, God can use us for mighty things if we'll let him. But if we don't let him, God won't force us. God's love is unjudgmental. People will judge you for where you've been, where you go, how you dress, how you talk, and everything around. It's not just like them, but God's love is not. His son died that whosoever called over him should not perish or will not perish. Praise God. Second Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men th- uh, uh, count slackness, but is long-suffering to us would thank God he is not willing that any should perish. God's not willing for not one that's breathing to perish, but that all should come to repentance. God didn't send his son uh, from heaven to earth to condemn you. I want you to know that today. He didn't send his son here to condemn you. People may look at you and think there's no hope, but God looks at you and says, hey, I've got a plan for your life. Will you let me have your life to fit into my plan? I'll do great mighty things with you. He didn't send his son here to show you how bad you are. God's only desire in sending his son is, was to show you his love. I want you to get a hold of that. Was to show you his love, to draw you into a love relationship with him, to really love him and to get to know him. He came to rescue you and I. That's what Jesus came for. He didn't come to criticize you. He came to cleanse you. He didn't come to punish you. He came to pardon you. He didn't come to destroy you. He came to deliver you and I today. God's love is beneficial. John 3, 16 says, but have eternal life because Jesus was a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. He is the door of salvation. He is the way into heaven and there's no other way except through Jesus. It's beneficial that he, uh, God gave him to die on the cross for you and I. He became our escape goat. We don't have to go to hell. We can go to heaven because of Jesus. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, you believe in God, believe also in me. 
in my father's house are many mansions. And Lee and I be says in many rooms. Said, if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you so. But I come again to receive you. That where I am, there you may be also. Praise God. God loved us so much. He gave his son that we have an open door, a room waiting in glory. When time for us to go home, if we let God's son be the center of our lives. Going to church won't get you to heaven. Singing in a choir won't get you in heaven. Preaching behind this sacred desk won't get us to heaven. It takes living the life that God's called us to live. God says, I am holy, be ye holy because I'm holy. The Bible says we must worship him in truth and in spirit. A put on won't do it. A show won't do it. It takes a real heartfelt experience that we're willing to just let God be God in our lives. It's beneficial. God's love is beneficial. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave. I didn't give. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever will, that's you and me, If that whosoever will believe on him shall not perish. We have to believe on him. Who? Jesus Christ our Lord. The church can't do it. The organization can't do it. Uh, nobody around you can do it. It takes believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. The only son of God. He's coming. He's coming back, and he's coming soon for people that have made themselves ready. I want to ask you this morning. When you came to church this morning, was it on your mind to get a little bit more ready for the Lord's coming? Did you think about that he may even come today? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We have today. Today is the day of salvation, what the Bible says. And it's an individual thing. It's up to the individual. Did you come here this morning just because we were going to do praise and worship? I don't think so. Did you come here because Brother Ben might preach? I don't think so. I think you came because you really, deep down inside, you love the Lord and you believe in the Lord. If you did that, then that's good. But if you came here for any other reason than come here to meet the Lord and praise the Lord because you want to you, you be like Job, you want to be a witness, you want to be what God wants you to be, then you're on the right track. Stand with me all over this place, will you?